0: The president's view is that bringing the country together is bringing the American people together. He is talking about proposing policies that address the crises that we're facing are supported by the vast majority of the American public. Democrat, Republican, Independent. Sounds good to me.
1: I'm in. Thanks, Jen.
0: Well, I don't know why I came here tonight.
1: That's
0: why. I got a feeling something right. No, it's not, but it's getting better. I'm I fall off my chair. This. Clouds to the left of me, Jokers to the right, here I am, stuck in giving me.
1: From Pacifica Radio in Los Angeles, this is the broadcast as heard on KPFK 90.7 FM in L.A., 98.7 in Santa Barbara, 93.7 in San Diego, 99.5 FM in Ridgecrest and China Lake, California. Also in Red Bluff and Redding, California on KFOI, Round Mountains KKRN, and Eureka's KGOE. Up in Oregon on the Central Coast on KYAQ, Cottage Grove's KSO, Eugene's KEPW. In Lancaster, Pennsylvania on WLRI, Maui, Hawaii's KAKU. In Columbus, Ohio on WGRN, Palinville, New York's WLPP. Rochester, New -New York's WRFZ. Down in New Orleans on WHIV, out in Gallup, New Mexico on KNIZ. In Concord, New Hampshire on WNHN, Fayetteville, Arkansas's KPSQ, Seattle's KODX. In Jamesville, Wisconsin on WADR and Minneapolis-St. Paul's AM 950 KTNF. We also stream coast-to-coast and around the globe every day on the internets, on the Progressive Voices Channel, Netroots Radio, Radio for Humans, FYI Nation, NicoleSandler.com, Radio Free Brooklyn, Workforce Rising, No Lies Radio, Verdant Square Radio, and Detour Talk Blanketing Planet Earth, five days a week. I'm Brad Friedman, your friendly investigative blogger, journalist, troublemaker, muckraker, all-around swell fellow says me from Bradblog.com. Thank you very much for joining us today for another thrilling edition of the Bradcast. Always great to have you here. We are coming up this week on the um, completely meaningless landmark of Joe Biden's first 100 days in office. And yet... It seems that both Joe Biden and the media are placing a lot of emphasis on that date for some reason, with the president promising and, in fact, uh, delivering on quite a few, if not all, of his first 100 days uh, promises, as he is now set to deliver an address to a joint session of Congress this week on Wednesday night that we don't, um, during a president's first year in office, for reasons that, are still not completely clear to me. We don't describe uh, the first-year address to a joint session of Congress as a State of the Union address. I have no idea why, even though that is pretty much exactly what it is. So um, media, for their part, are already starting their first 100 days report cards and the like— So, hey, who are we not to do the same, Desi Doyen? (laughs) Well, hey,
2: it's an easy little metric to go by. It's an easy way to uh, compare previous administrations. And 100 days is an easy way to kind of congeal it into, you know, a little report on something. In other words, it's the easy thing to do, and that's why the media does it. Okay,
1: then that's why I'm doing it. Because at this point, (laughs) after the last four years, I am all in favor of easy. I've got some news that I want to get to first here, but uh, then i will try to open up the phone lines at 818-985-5735-818-985-KPFK if you would like to ring in on how you think biden is doing in his first 100 days and yes maybe we'll even force you to give him a grade a plus a minus b plus b minus all the way down to uh, f if you like Uh, What what do you like that he has done? What do you not like that he has done? Or what do you wish that he had done by now or hope that he will do in the very near future? We will take the temperature of our progressive and non-progressive listeners alike here a little bit later. If you want to line up now to join me, 818-985-5735. First, some quick headlines. There's been a lot uh, going on today and over the weekend Uh, So let's start here, because I know this is actually a very big deal uh, and a long overdue deal for a lot of folks in our Southern California listening area, particularly here in Los Angeles. President Joe Biden on Saturday formally recognized the Ottoman Empire's mass killing of more than one and a half million Armenians more than a century ago as a genocide. The declaration signals an effort by the Biden administration to address human rights by naming the atrocities that began in 1915 as a genocide. Well, that's over a hundred years ago, but I guess you got to start somewhere. And uh, in fact, this is a big deal to both the Armenian and Turkish communities, um, which former presidents uh, of sitting presidents of both parties in the United States have come close to doing, but. Stopped short for various reasons, often at the last moment, uh, often for fear of blowback from the very powerful NATO ally of Turkey and its supporters. I've been reporting on that at Bradblog.com and and the machinations that have gone on behind the scenes to declare this a genocide uh, pretty much for as long as I've been running Bradblog, which is pushing 20 years at this point. Well, on Saturday, uh, Joe Biden just up and done it. Uh, In a statement marking the 106th anniversary of the start of the atrocities, Biden declared, quote, Each year on this day, we remember the lives of all those who died in the Ottoman era, Armenian genocide, and recommit ourselves to preventing such an atrocity from ever occurring again. We remember so that we remain ever vigilant against corrosive influence, of hate in all of its forms, he says in the statement. Biden's predecessors have steered away from demonstrating the courage to just explicitly recognize the atrocities as genocide, even though it has been a hundred years. Uh, but none of the other previous presidents have done it while in office for fear of threatening ties with the NATO ally. The Armenian National Committee of America said in a statement on Saturday that the president's declaration, quote, has ended a century long era of American complicity in Turkey's denials. Meanwhile, Turkey's former minister uh, for I'm sorry, Turkey's foreign minister was quick to criticize Biden's remarks, responding on Twitter, quote, we entirely reject this statement. We have nothing to learn from anybody on our own past Political opportunism is the greatest betrayal to peace, peace and justice. The Turkish Foreign Ministry said the declaration, quote, distorts the historical facts and that it will, quote, open a deep wound that undermines our mutual trust and friendship person familiar with a call between Joe Biden and Turkish President Erdogan on Friday told the New York Times that Biden warned Erdogan directly that he would be declaring the massacre an act of genocide and concluded his Saturday statement by noting that uh, quote the American people honor all those Armenians who perished in the genocide that began 106 years ago today. The fallout to come from that, which has kept so many previous American uh, Democrats and Republicans alike from stating what is largely universally recognized by now as a genocide, well, whatever that fallout is, it remains to be seen at this point. But it should be added to another accomplishment, I would argue, for the Biden administration in the foreign policy and human rights category today. Meanwhile, the Supreme Court has announced that it will hear a major new gun control case next term, beginning in October, on a constitutional right to carry weapons outside of the home. The court will hear the NRA-backed challenge to a century-old New York gun control law in the term that begins in October. It's considering a law, the law that requires uh, those who seek a permit to carry a concealed weapon to show a special need for that weapon, a special need for self-defense. It is similar to laws in Maryland, Massachusetts, and elsewhere that the court in the past has declined to review. But now, for some reason, with a newly stolen and packed 6-3 to three right-wing majority on the court— they have signaled that it is more receptive now to Second Amendment challenges. And if you missed our previous broadcast with court uh, journalist Mark Joseph Stern, I-, I might recommend you download it from Bradblog.com for uh, for our conversation about last week's appalling, just Barbaric, as Mark called it, barbaric ruling uh, from SCOTUS that not only overturned years of U.S. Supreme Court precedent when it comes to blocking life in prison without parole for those um, who committed crimes as children. So, yeah, now, even if a, a child commits a crime, they can be held for life in prison until they die without the possibility of a parole. Uh, which is outrageous enough as is, but also uh, the court did so without even recognizing th- that the precedent against doing so actually exists. They just pretended as if there is no such precedent, even though it has been hashed out over years This is a very worrying sign for what we are likely to see from this court when a few more uh, big opinions are handed down in the coming weeks, much less next term and the term beyond it, if Joe Biden and the Democrats don't figure out somehow how to reform the Supreme Court and to do so quickly at this point before you see the court just, you know, overturning precedents, even though they pretend every time there's a nomination, you know, I respect court uh, precedent, stare decisis, I'm a big believer in stare decisis, that's what they always say. And then this court, at least, turns around and overturns a precedent without even recognizing, without even saying out loud that that is exactly what they're doing or giving a reason for doing so. So uh, we can all look forward to that. But you can uh, download that show with Mark Joseph Stern if you didn't hear it on Friday. The uh, Justice Department, meanwhile, uh, is opening a sweeping probe into policing in Louisville, Kentucky over the March 2020 death of Breonna Taylor, who was shot to death by police during a raid in the middle middle of the night at her home. That uh, new probe was announced by Attorney General Merrick Garland on Monday. It's the second such probe at this point into a law enforcement agency by the Biden administration within the past week alone. Garland has also announced an investigation into the tactics of the police in Minneapolis following the death of George Floyd there. The attorney general has said there is not yet equal justice under the law and promised to bring a critical eye to racism and legal issues when he took the job. So far, he is doing that. This, by the way, uh, uh, by way of, of contrast with the Trump administration's DOJ, largely ignoring the outrageous, systemically racist behavior and use of force by police departments all over the nation for the past four years. So while I'm glad to see there's uh, been two such uh, investigations announced by DOJ at this point. Uh, I'd suggest we're going to see need to see a lot more, a lot more across the country. The 26-year-old Brianna Taylor was an emergency medical technician. She had been studying to become a nurse. She was roused from sleep by police in the middle of the night who came through the door using a battering ram. Uh, She was terrified. Her boyfriend, Ken Walker, uh, was also terrified. He happened to have a gun and he fired once at whoever the hell it was who was coming in uh, with this no-knock warrant that was approved as part of a narcotics investigation, yet no drugs were found at her home. The investigation announced Monday by the DOJ is into the Louisville Jefferson County Metro government and the Louisville Metro Police Department. It, like the one... Announced last week for Minneapolis is known as a pattern or practice probe examining whether there is a pattern or practice of unconstitutional or unlawful policing and will be a more sweeping review of the entire police department. The attorney for Breonna Taylor's family posted a celebratory message on social media just after the announcement saying, quote, boom, thank you, he wrote. Sam Aguilar, the attorney and other attorneys, negotiated a $12 million settlement in September with the city of Louisville over Taylor's death. Louisville city leaders uh, said that they supported the probe, uh, and the city's mayor called it a, quote, really exciting, positive thing. Well, good, because I expect there are dozens, perhaps scores, of other cities where the DOJ should bring such Really exciting and positive investigations of policing in the months and years ahead. Uh, In more good news from the uh, Biden administration today, and again, we're going to take your calls in a little bit, 818-985-5735, 818-985-KPFK. As far as how you think the Biden administration is doing at this point, as we near the 100-day mark, uh, how the administration is doing, how the president himself is doing, good or bad. I'm happy to hear from you in, uh, in any direction that you see fit. But in more good news uh, today from the administration, they are announcing the launch of a summer food program to feed More than 30 million low-income children, according to the uh, Agriculture Department, uh, who spoke to NBC News. This comes after Biden's $1.9 trillion American Rescue Plan includes monthly child tax credits for families that experts say on its own is likely to cut child poverty by half over just the next year. The uh, summer lunch program is the latest push by the White House to address widespread hunger and food insecurity in the U.S. Congress, through the American Rescue Plan, said St- uh, Stacy Dean, the deputy undersecretary of Agriculture for Food, Nutrition and Consumer Services, through the American Rescue Plan, uh, Congress has expanded this program to operate during the summer She said, which I think was just highly responsive to what we need to do right now. Dean said, we know that summer hunger is a problem in normal years. But obviously this year, with heightened food hardship as a result of the pandemic, we are happy to deploy the program this summer. The plan will provide up to 34 million children About $375 each to buy food for the roughly 10 weeks that they are out of school in the summer. That's when impoverished children have long struggled with hunger. Uh, as free or reduced-price lunch school pro, uh, school lunch programs that uh, guarantee meals do not operate over the summer, direct payments for food, such as those done through the Supplemental Nutrition Assistance Program or SNAP benefits, as this will be done, are effective. But yes, they can be costly. The program will cost $12 billion. The Agriculture Department estimated, though, $12 billion to keep some 30 million children from being hungry. Doesn't actually sound like that high of a price. In any event, uh, for the Agriculture Department to do this, it is a stark turnaround from the Trump administration, which aimed to limit eligibility and spending on food programs through SNAP and other, uh, other programs. Again, food programs for hungry children in the wealthiest country on earth. Advocates say it's a small price to pay to ensure that children do not go hungry, and experts say the money would go directly back into the economy. And that's the other point about this, when you hear people complaining about food stamps and, God forbid, we should help Americans. What part of general welfare do you people not understand in any event, uh, the money that is given for, you know, things like food stamps goes directly back into the economy when these people buy, you know, food. And it could also provide savings in the long term by bringing down patient health care costs. That's something, Desi doing that we have to talk about all the time on this show, particularly on your Green News report when we're talking about uh you know various ways of cutting emissions uh and and uh you know the the right would love to talk about oh that's going to cost the fossil fuel companies this money or that money none of which takes into account the externalities yes the, the economic costs. benefits that yes. come
2: from these policies for example uh with the EPA every one dollar spent on mitigating pollution generates one to three dollars in economic benefits and in jobs especially from like say power plants that have to hire people to upgrade the pollution controls that are physical jobs that cannot be outsourced to uh, on on their manufacturing plants and their their power plants and the same thing for infrastructure every dollar that is spent on infrastructure returns 6 to 7 dollars of economic activity into the economy i don't know the exact stats for child hunger but i do know that Child nutrition is incredibly important for long-term productivity of those kids in the economy.
1: And the health care costs. Well, the, the health care costs. Avoided
2: health care costs avoided. is tremendous.
1: Exactly. We're talking about huge, I mean, just asthma alone among children, uh, you know, when you when you cut emissions. The money that you save uh, for the cost of, of, of treating children with asthma is is enormous. And, the you know, the Donald Trump administration worked very hard to make sure we don't include externalities when we are deciding how much something will or won't cost. Well, yeah, I suppose you can do that, but you're cheating. Uh, because you're, you know, it's an unbalanced playing field if you're not considering all of the money that you will save in healthcare costs for doing those things. Anyway, uh, this food program sounds like a win-win-win to me. Uh, though it's only going to be in place this year right now under the American Rescue Plan. So just like the um, $3,500 per child per year tax credit that is now going to be paid off, I believe, on a monthly basis, that's also included uh, in the American Rescue Plan. It will cut child poverty in half. But just like that program, these programs will have to be made permanent in future legislation, and hopefully that will happen. But we will see. Craig Gunderson, an agriculture and uh, consumer economics professor at the University of Illinois, who has studied, in the, uh, studied the U.S. Food Benefit Program for more than two decades, said that the USDA has recognized in studies that kids are going hungry over the summertime. The question is if all of this is just for the pandemic, he said. If so, well Then that's okay. But if this is something they're planning to have or fight to have well into the future, he notes, this is really historic. Well, at least it will be if it is extended uh, beyond the next year. Uh, And yes, you can add that to your consideration when I open the phones uh, momentarily uh, to get your report card grades. on Joe Biden's first 100 days in office. The nation's political, one or two more here before we get to your phones. Um, The nation's uh, political center of gravity shifted further to the Republican-led south and west on Monday, with Texas, Florida, and other Sun Belt states gaining congressional seats, while chillier climes like New York and Ohio lost them. This is, in fact, very big news. The new allocation of congressional seats came in the U.S. Census Bureau's first release of data from the 2020 headcount. For the first time in 170 years of statehood out here in California, well, we are losing a congressional seat For the first time in almost 200 years, that's a result of slowed migration to the nation's most populous state, which was once a symbol of the country's expansive frontier. The census release marks the official beginning of the once-a-decade redistricting battles. The numbers released on Monday, along with more detailed data expected later this year, will be used by state legislatures or independent commissions to redraw political maps to account for shifts in population. Those shifts have largely been westward. Colorado, Montana, and Oregon all added residents and gained seats. Texas, however, was the biggest winner. The second most populous state, second to California, added two congressional seats, while Florida and North Carolina each gained one. States losing seats include Illinois, Michigan, Pennsylvania, and West Virginia— The reshuffling of the congressional map moves seats from blue states to red ones, giving Republicans a clear, immediate advantage. Oh, great. Don't they deserve it? The uh, party will have complete control now of drawing the congressional maps in states like Texas, Florida and North Carolina, states that in in all will be adding four seats. By way of contrast, though, Democrats control the process in Oregon. Democratic lawmakers there, however, have agreed to give Republicans an equal say in redistricting in exchange for a commitment to stop blocking bills. In Democratic Colorado, a nonpartisan commission will draw the lines, meaning the party will not have total control in a single expanding state's redistricting. So, Uh, Are the Democrats giving away their political power in trying to end partisan gerrymandering in states that they control? Are they unilaterally disarming, if you will, from Republicans who have clearly no intention of doing any such thing unless they are forced to do so? And the U.S. Supreme Court last year has already said, no, We're not going to we're not going to get into that. That's up to the states. They can do it if they want. They can gerrymander all they want. They can be as unfair as they like in drawing those districts. It's up to the states. On a related note, I hope to talk uh, more about this point on tomorrow's broadcast with someone who's been arguing that Democrats need to start thinking a little bit more like Republicans when it comes to how they think about Policy that also increases political power for progressives. Anyway, I hope you'll tune into that uh, on tomorrow's broadcast. But uh, one more point uh, and we'll take your call shortly. 818-985-5735. One more point here to keep in mind uh, the power shift. Uh, in, in several of these GOP-controlled states is also being driven by Hispanics. Over the past decade, Hispanics accounted for around uh, half of the growth in Arizona and in Florida. And in Texas, according to figures from the American Community Survey, that's a Census Bureau program separate from the decennial census. So while that may mean more House seats for states that are currently dominated by the GOP, those demographics could also be changing in those very states, which is why, for example, you saw Democrats do so well at both the presidential and senatorial levels uh, in states like Arizona last year. But, of course, if you draw the district lines in a way that it disenfranchises certain segments of the population, then it doesn't necessarily matter that there's been this increase uh, in, in the Hispanic population, for example, at least when you're talking about uh, state and local districts and, and congressional districts. But speaking of Arizona, uh, before we take our break here uh, and open up the phones to your calls and your grades on Joe Biden's first 100 days, I just want to quickly note, uh, to those that have been writing uh, writing into me on this, and you can write me anytime, I am bradcast at bradblog.com. And, yes, I read everything. Um I'm keeping very yes, I am keeping very, uh, very close eye on what is going on right now in Arizona, where the Republican state Senate uh, has hired a huge Trump supporter guy who who runs an outfit named Cyber Ninjas to do a full hand count of all 2.1 million ballots cast in Maricopa County. That is Phoenix. Uh, And this was uh, in last year's election in uh, in Arizona, where Democrats, Joe Biden and now Senator Mark Kelly, both Democrats, both reportedly won with Biden's win, marking the first victory for a Democratic presidential candidate in the state for decades. Um, They are now doing a full hand recount of two point one million hand marked paper ballots in Maricopa. And essentially, Maricopa is so large in Arizona that whoever wins Maricopa ends up winning the state. So I hope to get into more details uh, as, this, as the week progresses on what is going on in Arizona. But just so you know, I've got my eye on it. I'm in very close contact, in fact, with someone who is uh, on the inside of this, uh, of this count. And yes, um, though I am always Always in favor of citizens being allowed to count hand marked paper ballots until they are confident that the results have been reported as per voter intent. There are, in fact, very serious concerns right now about this particular count. Uh, It is being paid for by, for one, taxpayer dollars, but it is being run by a private company headed up by a dude who who posted uh, a big Trumper dude who posted completely ridiculous and unproven and just outright false conspiracy claims about the 2020 election results. He is in charge of this hand count now still nonetheless. Uh, If counts like this are done transparently so that the public and the media can oversee everything, in theory, such a count, no matter who is running it, should actually be a good thing. As of now, however, that is decidedly not what is being carried out in Phoenix, in Maricopa County, with both media and the public locked out. Of what is uh, going on inside the Veterans Memorial Coliseum, which has been, uh, I guess, rented out again with taxpayer dollars and with a bunch of private dark money, which the uh, the companies here, the organizers of this count who are involved, they refuse to even disclose how much they are receiving and from whom. So all we know is that it's one hundred and fifty thousand dollars of taxpayer money that the Republican controlled uh, State Senate down there in uh, in in uh, Arizona is actually paying out to this private company to run a secret count of the actual ballots cast in 2020, uh, even as they bar media and members of the general public from observation. As I said, uh, more on that in the days ahead Um I'm in uh, close touch with what's going on down there. And as the count gets underway, uh, it's sort of had a slow start. uh, But as I've as I'm able to learn more about the procedures and as the folks I'm in touch with on the inside, there have been uh, pushing back. Uh, against uh, some of this to demand more public oversight of the entire process. Uh, I also might add there appears to be no particular rush here, given that at the current rate of counting and examining each and every ballot under ultraviolet light and microscopes uh, for signs of fraud or ballots sent in by China. Seriously, they're looking. Was this paper made in China? One expert has um, uh, told uh, me that it will take about 15 months to retally all of these ballots in a process that is supposed to be completed in about two and a half weeks because the venue is rented out to a basketball game or something like that.
2: Well, it does bring up a concern that they will try to rush the results of whatever this is Mm -hmm. in order to come to a predetermined outcome. And if nobody's there to watch over it, like the media and the public, to watch closely at what they're doing, then there's a really high risk that they might rush to... Come up with what they were looking for in the first place, which is to say, this is uh, this is not a valid election, and cast out on the entire to 2020 pretend, election.
1: To pretend there's fraud despite yeah. any actual evidence to date. Of fraud. Anyway, we will see. As I say, we're keeping our eyes on it. Uh, So keep your uh, ears on the Bradcast. Keep your eyes on Bradblog.com in the days ahead. Uh, Anyway, let's take a quick break here and uh, more, uh, as I say, coming up in the days ahead on that. But I want to get your calls. On how you think Joe Biden is doing. What do you like about what he has done? What do you not like about what he has done? What has he not done that you would like to see him do? Are you disappointed? Are you surprised? And please let me know. 818-985-KPFK is our phone number. 818-985-5735. That's straight ahead on the broadcast. I'm Brad Friedman. Strange days indeed. Welcome back to the Bradcast. Brad Friedman from BradBlog.com. Strange days indeed, but not nearly as strange as the past. Oh. Four or five years. So, you know, it may not be fair. We might be uh, uh, grading uh, Joe Biden on a on a curve here at this point compared to what we had over the past four years. Uh, I will leave my grade out of it for now and I'll let you call in at 818-985-5735 with your own thoughts. But I, but I will give uh, a, a grade for Jen Psaki, the uh, communications or press secretary on uh, for Joe Biden, uh, who, frankly, I think is just doing one hell of a job. Here she is. Is this today, Des? This is, uh, yeah. Yes,
2: this is uh, from today's White House press briefing.
1: Once again, and it seems like, I had to ask, is it today? Because it seems like every day you've got these uh, journalists, these media folks, going well. Hey, what about Joe Biden's promise to be more bipartisan? What happened to that? Here, here's what that sounded like today. You talk about tens of millions of people; they're concerned about that. This doesn't seem like unity at all. I think tens of millions of people are concerned about HR one and budget reconciliation and going with a fifty vote
2: uh, threshold. I think I'm that not was sure the
0: polling bears that out, but I will say yeah. that the president's view is that bringing the country together. Is bringing the American people together. So when I say he's uh, he is focused on uh, re- bringing you know bringing people together, bringing Democrats and Republicans together, he's not talking about solving bipartisanship in the this zip code here. He is talking about proposing policies that address the crises that we're facing, whether it's getting the pandemic under control, putting people back to work. A lot of those policies he's proposed, whether it's the American Rescue Plan or the American Jobs Plan, are supported by the vast majority of the American public, Democrat, Republican, Independent. They certainly want to see him working with, with Republicans and Democrats uh, in here. And he's he's absolutely doing everything he can to do that. He's had a number of Republicans down here to the Oval Office. Uh, he's looking for it. We're, we're going to be reviewing their proposals. And I think certainly people see that, see him rolling up his sleeves and ready to work with people of all different viewpoints.
1: That was uh, Jen Psaki at the White House today.
0: Yeah.
2: And I you know, want to just point out that not only is it every single press briefing day that the corporate media comes in and says, hey, what about Biden's promise to, for bipartisanship? When If I remember correctly, they never asked the Trump administration or President Trump, why aren't you being more bipartisan with Democrats? At least not to the same level that they seem to be focused on requiring Biden to be the only one to do this work.
1: Well, to be fair, Biden did come in uh, as he was running for president and did say, oh, yes, people will, once Donald Trump is gone, people will come together. Republicans and Democrats will work together once Donald Trump is gone. Of course, we knew Joe Biden was wrong about that. Apparently, before he did, uh, but what he is not wrong about is that the policies they have put forward have been wildly successful so far with the American people, including. Uh, among Republicans, uh, in, in in almost every case. So I'm gonna real quick. I'll I'll give uh, Jen Psaki, frankly, an A plus. I like the way she's been running the uh, the press room. Yes, there. she has
2: a very good way of
1: handling. The but press. I will let the, the callers uh, give a a grade to Joe Biden as he prepares for his first speech to a joint session of Congress on Wednesday. And he passes the symbolic 100-day mark of this presidency, and as the country appears to be clawing its way out of the pandemic, Americans appear to want an active or an even activist government. According to The Washington Post, Biden appears to be delivering. He pushed through a $1.9 trillion stimulus package, introduced a more than $2 trillion infrastructure package, which, by the way, as a uh, a listener pointed out to me today, I need to make clear that $1.9 trillion stimulus package, that was for one year. The $2 trillion infrastructure, jobs and climate package, that's for 10 years. So though I know $2.25 trillion, oh, that sounds like a lot of money, actually is about $200 billion a year. It ain't all that much. And progressives think it should be bigger. Uh, In any event, uh, the Post notes that both of those bills stand to remake large swaths of the economy. The Center for His Upcoming Speech to Congress this week appears now to be a new package of mostly, again, popular benefits for families, for child care, for health care. Uh, that he's calling the American Families Plan. It'll be a project with a $1.5 trillion dollar price tag. At the same time, an NBC a new NBC News poll conducted this month highlighted what amounts to a sea change in attitudes towards government over the past several decades. In December of 1995, for example, this is one month before Bill Clinton declared, quote, the era of big government is over, and, um, The uh, pollster asked back in 1995 uh, some people think the government is trying to do too many things that should be left to individuals and businesses. Others think that government should do more to solve our country's problems. Which comes closer to your view? Well, back then, in December of 95, Just 32 percent of respondents agreed with do more, that the government should do more. Sixty two percent agreed that the government was overambitious. Move the clock forward to April 2021. Now, uh, 55 percent of respondents uh, claimed that they were in the government should do more camp. Just 41 percent said government was doing too much. So are they doing too much? Are they doing not enough? Do you want to continue to see Joe Biden doing a lot? His so-called big, bold agenda, 818-985-KPFK is our phone number, 818-985-5735. Let's start with Roger in Minneapolis. We haven't spoken to him in a while. Hey, Roger. Uh, Welcome back to the broadcast, my friend. And by the way, were you happy to see the... um, uh, the D- Department of Justice called for a uh, a probe, a federal probe of the Minneapolis uh, Police Department.
3: Uh, yes, um, uh, the Minneapolis Police Department um, has um, a remarkable and very long record stretching clear back to about the forties, uh, uh, the nineteen forties of of consistent extreme police brutality. Um their behavior during the uh 19, the the, 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 the anti war riots uh uh, uh, uh uh police riots mm-hmm. uh um uh, uh during the Vietnam War was uh, absolutely despicable and they've had a consistent pattern of over- the I have been victimized by over, uh, they've had a consistent pattern for a very long time of being about as brutal a police department as is possible. Something, something on the order of what LA's police department mm-hmm. at least used to be like. Mm-hmm. It was that bad.
1: So um, that said, yeah. Roger, let's get to your uh, thoughts on uh, Joe Biden. Do you, you got a grade for him? What What do you like that he's done? What What would you I, like I, to see I, him do? I'm
4: to assign,
3: I'm reluctant to assign a grade, but. Um, uh uh Desi asked me to come up with one so i, I said a strong a minus okay he has he has surprised me by the um relatively farsighted progressiveness that he has exhibited in many um of the things that he's been doing he hasn't he's not being transitional he's trying he's he has clearly decided to pull out the stops and be transformational i think that's great. What I am concerned about is the tone that he uh, continues to strike, and it reminds me of the way Obama handled things, is this business of continuing uh, to call for sort of a bipartisan uh, approach rather than going hammer and tongs um, uh, to, to insist that the filibuster absolutely must be destroyed because otherwise his entire agenda and the recovery of this country is absolutely at stake I'd like to see him also um, uh, be much more aggressive at um, uh, whittling down sharply our defense expenditures. Mm. I could go on and on, but I actually am I'm as shocked as um, many people of the pretty far left, uh, uh, I mean, um, did be. Mm-hmm. You know, she, she's she's beside herself. What's <laughs> going on here? Not we will what, not what we expected.
1: Yeah, well, we're going to talk to uh, Digby, I think, this week, aren't we? After the uh, after the not State of the Union on Wednesday night. Yes, that is okay. correct. Good. I look forward to that. So Thanks.
2: We'll hear what she has. To Thanks, say, too.
1: Roger. I appreciate your thoughts, and uh, I understand. So, and uh, it sounds like an A, but he loses some marks from for not going hard enough. Uh, I, I notice we have a lot of dudes, by the way, on hold to get on the air. So we we'd we always love to hear from our female listeners as well. So if you call in, we'll try to move you up to the top, maybe. 818-985-KPFK is our phone number. And uh, while, while that's coming in, let me uh, get some breaking news here. We'll take a quick break. But before we do, let me hit this uh, breaking news just in, since this is certainly of note here in California. Uh, AP is now reporting that backers of the recall effort against California Governor Gavin Newsom have, in fact, collected enough valid signatures now to qualify for the ballot. So, yep, looks like we're going to be having another one of these stupid recalls in California. Uh, Last time it resulted in um, Arnold Schwarzenegger as our new governor. Now it could be Caitlyn Jenner. It's just whatever. 818-985-KPFK. We will be covering that, I'm sure, in the days ahead. uh, 818-985-5735. Quick break, and we're back with more of your calls right here on the Bradcast. Hey, this is Brad. If you haven't noticed by now, it's no easy feat finding facts, real facts, not alternative facts, over your public airwaves. We try to bring you real facts, truth, and clarity without fear or favor each and every day on the Bradcast. But we need your help to do it, and that help is needed more now than ever. Please stop by bradblog.com donate today. That's bradblog.com donate, and thanks. The Bradcast, Brad Friedman from Bradblog.com. That was the Oscar-winning uh, yes. song from uh, last night?
2: Yes, the Oscar-winning song, Fight for You, from Judas and the Black Messiah. Uh, that, like you said, won the song the best song at the Academy Awards on Sunday. It's written by the artist known as Her, H-E-R, mm-hmm. and uh, Tiara Thomas, and it's performed by Her as well.
1: Very nice, very cool. Of course, we could have spent a whole hour talking about that so weird Academy Awards <laughs> yeah, on it was Sunday. A little night. Different. Uh, it was different, but it was actually cool because it was, you know what? We've had 93 years of Academy Awards. It's okay if we have something that's a little bit different just one time, isn't it?
2: Yeah, and I kind of liked it, actually. Yeah, I
1: kind of liked it, too. I don't know how good it was for the movie industry. They didn't show many clips uh, in a year that most people weren't familiar with the films. But anyway, that's a separate issue. We're not going to talk about that. What we're going to talk about is Joe Biden in the first 100 days and the uh, grades you are giving him at this time. Time, what you like about it, about him and the administration, what you don't like, what you'd like to see more of. Let's go to 818 985 KPFK. Let's go to Mike in Los Angeles. Hey, Mike, welcome to the broadcast, sir. How's Joe Biden doing? What's your grade you're giving him?
3: Hey, Brett, I think he may be as surprisingly good a choice as Harry Truman was and as unrepresentative of what his record would have suggested he would be. Mm. My only uh, real criticism of uh, Biden is that his infrastructure spending plan is a mere fraction of what the civil engineers say we need to spend Mm -hmm. to bring ourselves up to current levels. And even more important, maybe the spirit of the country. After four years of somebody who just bitched and complained and had excuses for everything— That he screwed up on
2: how nice to
3: have someone that does not use all the abundant excuses that his predecessor left him for having screwed up and still succeeded.
1: Yep. I hear you, Mike. Uh, I think you're right on the money. Thanks for that call. I appreciate it. Hope you are doing well, sir. 818-985-KPFK. Um, I should also note, the uh, I mentioned the Washington Post, they surveyed their own uh, pundits as well as readers to ask them to give grades. And in fact, um, they say that uh, just shy of 800 people took part. Uh, I have some of their comments here that I may share if we have time, but um, they say that the, uh, the the new president is acing the first part of his term, according to 224 readers flunking it by a lonely 23 readers, or hovering somewhere along the middle of the curve. Overall, they find that uh, readers, uh, the average reader grade was actually A- minus for the new president. 818-985-KPFK. Let me go to John in Sun Valley. Hey, John, welcome to the broadcast. How's the new prez doing?
4: Well, I respect the previous caller, Michael. Mm -hmm. Very much, actually. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. However, that previous president was such a low (laughs) life that he'd make a turd look good. So (laughs) uh, I think that Biden is not an A-minus. Hell no. No. Uh, I think he deserves right now an incomplete. Yeah. Uh, He says a lot of nice things. I've I've been told lies by a lot of nice talkers before. Mm Mm-hmm. Okay. And uh, he needs to he needs to uh, <clears throat> put mansion in its place and cinema in its place, mm, so that uh, we can go forward in this. You
1: mean put them in their place okay, not, uh, when it comes to the film. So put them in their place when it comes to uh, removing or reforming the filibuster in some way so that we can actually pass right. all That's of right. these big That's bills right. that need passed.
4: That's right. Uh, there needs to be some hardball like a, a good old, <laughs> uh, for all he was, too, uh, Lyndon Johnson. It mm-hmm. uh, needs to be some hardball on that boy yeah. and that girl. Yeah. Okay? Because they're playing hardball on us. And I'm not—I'm not—, I'm not um, I'm not patient anymore with this stuff. Yeah. And I think a lot of people in this country are not.
1: Well, now, do you think I that— hope not. Do you think, John, uh, that Joe Biden is not playing hardball behind the scenes, that, uh, that he actually oh, doesn't no, no. want he's to reform the filibuster?
4: Boy. No, no, no. Joe Biden is a sweet boy. He's a, he's a nice guy to everybody. hmm Okay? Whether they're nice to us or not. And I'm not interested in playing nice with people who are mean to me. Yeah, well, like Donald Trump was. Uh, I'm not. That, that 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 the gloves are
1: off. Yeah, but what uh, John? What I'm happens? Not, I'm not interested. What happens if you squeeze Manchin, If you start playing hardball with him, and he says, "Ah, eh, you know what? I'm from West Virginia. You guys are lucky to have a Democrat here at all, uh, caucusing with you from West Virginia. I'll just jump over to the Republicans."
4: Let him, just like, just like Joe uh, Lieberman, okay, let him. Let him come out as he really is instead of just sticking us in the back the way he is.
1: Yeah, but then you'll never have a chance of getting rid of, uh, of convincing him of the need to reform in some it's fashion above, the filibuster. It's
4: above board, and everybody will see what it, what's going on for a change. Instead of, it, right now, everybody's distracted. They're trying to keep, keep their head afloat. Okay, they see mesh with a D behind his name, and they figure, okay, all right, we'll play ball with this boy. Uh huh. No, he's not. Doesn't have a D behind his name, as far as I'm concerned. All right. And that's the truth. All right. And that's what it should be. And the people in this country deserve the truth for and the whole truth. They can handle it. Unlike uh, unlike what uh, you know, Tom Cruise movies. Yes. Uh, what well, that guy said. You can't that guy. handle the truth. Yeah. They can handle the truth. We're getting the truth thrown on us anyway. Yeah. we're going to handle it one way or the other.
1: All right. Thanks, John. I'm oh, oh, okay. We got to take that out. Thank you very much. Uh, I was I was worried that John was seemed a little upset there for a moment that we uh, might. We're good. Okay. Nice. <laughs> a little upset. I was going to warn him. We're on FCC radio. I realize these are. Troubling times and disturbing topics, and there's a lot of passion flowing. But, hey, uh, try to be careful when it comes to uh, FCC radio here on the broadcast. 818-985-5735. One of the readers over at uh, Washington Post Talking about uh, Biden and his presidential leadership uh, gives him an A minus, says Biden has pleasantly surprised me with his ability to move the boundaries of the national debate on virtually any topic. At the same time, he shrewdly does not go so far left that he can't bring the rest of the country with him. Biden is shifting how people think about several issues in a way that only happens once every few decades. Um, And uh, that's true. Jeff, uh, Jeff Stein over The Washington Post wrote last month that Biden is in some ways the ideal messenger for their uh, for this spending blitz, as the Post likes to call it. Uh, I would call it a helping blitz. In any event, uh, Jeff Stein says a septuagenarian who spent four decades in Congress, the president is hard to portray as a socialist or radical leftist. Don't worry. They're trying. Uh, In any event, uh, he said, even as he advances some ambitious expansions of government spending, including a major new child tax credit. Yeah, it's kind of hard to call uh, Joe Biden a pinko lefty commie, but that never stopped Fox News before. All right. Quick one or two more here before we go. We got to get out quick. Doogie in Chicago. Hey, Doogie, welcome back to the broadcast, sir. Good to see you from you.
4: Hi, Brad. Thanks. Um, you know, I'm actually pleasantly surprised because I really thought he was going to be a centrist moderate, and he's actually putting together a pretty progressive uh, platform, and a lot of things are getting done. Very um, really happy, actually, uh, and surprised. So uh, the, definitely a lot of incompletes. Um, my biggest concern, my biggest problem is, okay, they got the uh, Asian hate crime bill passed or whatever, but mm. we definitely need more uh, hate crime bills for black folks, and they've been waiting for a long time. The black vote did put him over the top, so he needs to focus on that a lot more. That's that's my position.
1: All right. Very good, Doogie. Do you, do you give him a grade? I know it's really stupid, but I feel like being stupid today. You got a grade for the president so far?
4: Uh, well, he, <laughs> I don't know. Okay, but I'm I'm just surprised and pleasantly I'm pleasantly surprised. So All let's right. keep it let's keep uh, I, it moving. I
1: forward. I will write that down. Doogie grade pleasantly. Surprised. All right. Thank you very much, Doogie. Always good to hear from you. Hope Thanks. you're doing well out there in uh, in uh, Chicago land. Good to hear from you. All right. We have time for one more, Desiree. All right. Let's go to uh, hang on. I uh, you think I'd learn how to use these phones after all of these years. There we go. Our old friend Morris. Bring in the plane for us, Morris, uh, into Long Beach. How are you doing, brother? What uh, what great are you giving uh, Joe Biden here before we go?
4: I'm, I'm, give, I'm giving Papa Joe a A. Papa Joe is kicking butt. <laughs> Have you forgotten the atmosphere that Trump brought to this country last year? All we had was grievance, rage, anger. Now we got some policies. The man ain't been there before 100 days. Give him a break. Do we realize how close we came to losing this country as we know it today? And every day Papa Joe wake up, he got to listen to Fox Devices News talk about him like he's a dog. But let me tell you what Papa Joe got going for him that nobody else got. He got temperance, and that's what's going to get him over, Brad. Talk to you later.
1: Thank you, Mo beautifully done as always landing the plane the the broadcast plane in the long beach field whatever they call it there all right hey thanks guys appreciate everything thanks for joining us today hope you'll do so again tomorrow once again the breaking news that the uh, recall effort against uh governor gavin newsom out here in california is successful as far as they have enough valid signatures when an election happens well We'll figure that out in the days ahead. My thanks to our producer, Desi Doyen, to my board operator, Federico Garcia, and to all of you for spending a portion of your day or night with us. If you missed any portion of today's show, download it anytime for free at bradblog.com. Drop me email. I'm bradcast at bradblog.com. On the Facebooks and the Twitters, I am the Brad Blog. We'll see you there until we see you here tomorrow. I'm Brad Friedman. Good luck, world.